Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello, jo- hello, Johnny. Hi, uh, hi, uh, rough, rough intro. Uh, episode number 163, No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, something or other. We are live. Yeah. yeah. Been, what number are we on? I think 164. I'm going to say 164. Oh, really? Yeah, I know we say it every week, but that's getting some big numbers, boy. Yeah. We're getting right up there now. Yeah. Oh, that was a very delayed and subtle reaction. I expected, like, woohoo! Or, like, have you seen the video of that Mufasa uh, on TikTok? That those. I, can't remember, I don't know what yeah, banging, so good. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I'm happy with him. He's good. He's funny. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Um, if uh, if that doesn't cheer you up, then you are soulless. Literally, you are soulless. Sure. Like if you if you watch that, and that doesn't make you want to just get up and dance or jump. Then I'm like, I I, I pity to be you. No, is that even a phrase? Yeah. I I wouldn't want to be you. I pity you. <laughs> feel for you yeah that's just i don't know it's so good maybe i should chop it in right now i should just chop it in and then i should chop it in and then come back to it, chop it. yeah can you have you got that level of uh editing uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i uh i was joking my friend actually when he was around once when i thought oh shit i better get the podcast up because i haven't done it yet and um he, he's like he basically made a comment about how long it took me aka about four minutes He's like, do you do much editing? I was like, well, we add an intro and put a something on the end and upload it. So if you call that editing, then yes. A little bit of editing, eh? Yeah. Well, it, it isn't really editing at all. The only time, we've only edited a couple of episodes where we've either said something we shouldn't do, aka slated someone that we thought probably shouldn't go out on air. Or we've had a couple like technical issues, I suppose, which has caused some editing, but... Most episodes just go straight up, don't they? Because we like to be uh, unfiltered. Oh, Ooh, did I just steal someone else's podcast title, Fitness Unfiltered? <gasps> I don't listen to any podcasts anymore. All oh, right, I would recommend. Uh, they're all fr- they're friends anyway, Dan, Emma, and Doctor Mike. So, so I, I don't mind promoting their podcast on ours. It's fine. Well, yeah. More importantly than anything else, we can talk about today. Uh, the gym's open on the 10th of August. In Wales? Yeah. So you, they're, they're already open here, mate. Yeah. 10th of August. Uh, are you buzzing? Yeah. I'm not nice. smelling, but I'm happy to be uh, in the gym yeah. on the 10th. Well, I suppose, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously quite subdued about it. Bear in mind that I've not stopped training because I've got a home gym, so nothing has changed for me since before lockdown or after lockdown. So... Um, yeah, it's not really a big deal, but... I did my first proper, I say, training, well, not weight training session, but uh, K1 session in a while, Thursday. KY? K1. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought of something else. Kickbox with knees, really. I but... know. I know, I was just joking. I was I just being funny. Felt like I was on a day. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, I don't, I don't think people understand how, like, from a fatigue perspective or like kind of kind of a tax on the cardiovascular system things like sparring kickboxing um 
it, you know, certain martial arts is how, how bad it is. Like bag work is in, oh, I remember when I used to do Muay Thai, Muay Thai, um, most of that, the sessions I used to do were like, there was only a little bit of sparring at the end of each session. So mo- like 95% of the sessions were mostly just like kicking bags and stuff like that. And I'll be honest, oh my days, there was moments where I could literally vomit. Yeah. If, if you're looking to lose, if you're looking to add to your fat loss with some form of cardio, then com- any combat sport is going to be the best. Without a doubt. Especially striking sports. Maybe like, I've seen karate really, and uh, quite a few levels. I just don't think they do much in them, but that's just me. Um, like kickboxing, boxing, judo, jujitsu, all that sort of stuff, cardio wise, especially when you're sparring. Boxing's the worst, I think. Well, it can be, can be debated, but when you're going to punch in the head, it's hard work. Yeah, and just, you're going to put it in the head as well. So it's a bit of adrenaline in there, which doesn't help. Sometimes with fatigue. And it wrecks you. Doing 12, 12 rounds, streaming the rounds is awesome. It feels good at the end, though. Yeah. Better that, than, it's, and it's not boring either. Yeah. Well, I, I was just so when you say, did you, because you kind of said the worst, but I think, did you mean saying the worst by AKA is the best? Like, oh, it's the yeah. worst, but in a really good way. Is that what you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. You get it. I, I'll be honest, like, they all all of those modalities or stuff they are incredibly good at burning calories and hard work and obviously there's other other outcomes as well or that you're obviously going to get from doing them but you do have to consider that they're almost too hard for a lot of people like being able to fit in a lot of that stuff and also align it in with a, a decent kind of training program stuff would be quite, for a lot of people quite hard to manage or certainly you've got to be quite intricate in what you do it's not you can't you can't just throw in that sort of stuff with a decent you know like a four day at the gym and expect to to for it all to just fit and happen because I'll be honest I think you start to take away from a lot of your other exercises because well, it's so hard yeah I, go on. when I was doing obviously you, when I was training but before the lockdown with K1 or kickboxing boxing obviously you feel it in your shoulders and you wake a bit but you didn't really notice how much you're using like now obviously because I haven't trained properly in weeks and weeks and weeks you realise how much you use of your body. Mm. The hips are hurting, rib cage is hurting, obviously hands, shoulders, lats, chest, show everything. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Feet, knees, thighs, everything, hamstrings, everything. Yeah. Yeah. But like, usually when you train, you're used to that ache and your body's used to train. You don't tend to, you, your shoulders will ache because your hands are up all the time, but you don't tend to notice it as much yeah. as you realise it does. That's kind and of that, that, I was just going to say that's kind of that specificity thing in terms of kind of specific movement patterns, specific muscles being used, and, and then kind of the repeat about effect kicking into play, and then protecting you against that damage and soreness. Because yeah. you know, like when you have that same same when you go in a gym session, or you know, if you play football, that first game back at preseason, or you know, the first time you go out for a run when you haven't ran in three years because you're a lazy ass. <laughs> Jokes. I think I'm not I'm not fit shaming. Um, all of those things when, when you kind of go back first time around you're always knackered and sore the next day like i used to i always joke around kind of the john wayne walk after i used to play football when i go back after like i used to try and keep relatively fit as well in terms of mid-season or pre-season and stuff i would kind of still run throughout the season still do exercise and all that type of stuff between but it's just not the same as the type of intensities and the, the movements that you then get when you then do like your first pre-season game 
And I remember like the next day, wow, 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 like, running around going, oh, I can barely move because my legs are and like my, 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 my groin, my ductus, my hip flex is so sore because just that you don't use them as much in like just kind of general running or a lot of general fitness stuff that you might then do kind of pre-season or during the between the two seasons say it's a bit like they say in football where like you just you don't get match fitness you can try and do stuff and i guess football is a bit different because they probably can play a lot more kind of high intense games and doing stuff and training but you, you do build up proper match fitness there is a difference between kind of match fitness and usual fitness isn't there and i think that's partly to do with it 100 percent. And, and the, i think the good thing with all these sorts of forms of cardio they're not boring either are they like no. it's almost like running as such or stand you know on a treadmill or on an exercise bike in a gym, people most people find it boring. Mm. And obviously, f- football in general, more men like football than they generally, but it's more fun in it. And whoa, especially whoa, for- whoa, 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 you sexist motherfucker! Don't forget that you're talking to a guy that obviously consults for the for a ladies' professional football team. How dare yeah, you? It's not. It's where it's fact. More men are more interested in football than women. It's a clear fact. Is so, that what it is? Sorry, I, was, I think I zoned out for a second because I was looking at my French doors and uh, some was just standing there like mouthing stuff to me. I'm like, I can't hear her whether she spoke or not, but I can tell she's mouthing because she's really over accentuating everything. You know, yeah. like when someone, you know, when someone like speak, actually, you know, when someone goes on holiday and like someone, you know, an English person usually speaks to a foreign person and yeah. they like either really shout or really open their mouth wide and speak really like this as if it's going to make it any easier to understand that's kind of what she's doing she's kind of really open her mouth really wide trying to like say something through the glass at me well like, i can't it's hear her anyway so she might as well speak normally it's exactly <laughs> three years old when you're like 30 and trying to talk the spanish waiter by slowing down and accentuating your own language it's like well are you stupid yeah ah oh, so funny that's that is a typically british thing though, isn't it english thing English thing. Okay, sorry. sorry. Are you, are you telling me you, you Welsh boyos don't do that? No, because it's yeah. stupid. Okay. I imagine some Welsh people do it, I would imagine, but uh, I do try and learn the basics. There, there was there was a woman on Radio 1 this morning from Wales, and she she was telling a story about how she bought a 10-foot poo, a 10-foot poo off eBay. Poo? Yeah, a 10-foot poo off eBay drunk and she woke up next morning with this email confirming her her win so she she was on her way back after collecting it and i was like she bought a 10 foot poo what the fuck and i realized she was saying pew as in like a church pew like a bench well, I meant piece of shit no that's what i thought but ten, 10 foot pew <laughs> that sounds scouse actually isn't it <laughs> you know it's ghost I, well i am deep down cut me i bleed red mate no Premier League champions, ale, ale, ale. Nobody cares. I care. Um, tell you what, I don't care about changing the subject slightly and maybe boring the fuck out of people listening. But hey ho, uh, the new Nike Liverpool football kit. I care about a lot. What I don't care about though is the fact that it costs. If you want, right? I know the home kit name on the back. So like, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd get a name. If not that I haven't bought a kit for about 15 years, so um, I'm not, probably not going to start now. Although maybe I should commemorate the Premier League win. But here, yeah. but if you bought it, one with a name on the back, the two little Premier League winners badges and the uh, World Champions badge. Um, world Champions. World Champions. We are World Champions, mate. Don't... The Mickey Mouse Cup. The, the, the Champions League and the Premier League are the only two that matter. 
The rest is Mickey Mouse. Mate, the world, you have to win the Champions League and get in the World Championship. So you can't say it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, bit of May United fan. Let's not get in that conversation. Um, anyway, the point I'm making, 103 quid. Well, I wouldn't buy one. No, I'll be honest. I thought, I'm going to buy one to commemorate. I've got a Champions League commemorative shirt from uh, 2005. That was a only one of a thousand made, I think. Um, all individually numbered. I've still got it upstairs in the box that came in. It, come, it came in like a red box, which looked mimics like a giant book. Open it up and it's all like tied in with nice rib, gold ribbon and stuff. And um, I think they were about 100 quid when I bought it. And I remember afterwards, they went on eBay like hours after they were they were released um, for like 300 quid or something, like triple the price. I wonder what it's worth now. 50 quid. <laughs> Bear in mind it's 15 years old now. I'm thinking a few of those must have been lost, damaged, burnt, worn, whatever. Well, probably a lot of them have been worn. I've, mine's never even come out of the ribbon. I've never even untied it. Scouts is like fighting each other. Well, yeah, exactly. Probably a few Stanley knives down, a few of them and stuff. I'm just saying, like, if they were, they were only a thousand made, all individually numbered, I reckon there might only be half of those left, which makes them even rarer, which means must be even more valuable. Rarer is that a word? More rare? More rare. More rare. Yeah, but I'm just thinking it. Like if they were going 300 quid then, I might be three grand now. I'm sit- I might be sitting on a mini fortune. I don't think so. Who knows? I'm gonna have a look after this. I'm gonna Google it. Anyway, anyway, enough about football. Enough about. We're going back to your modality of cardio. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I just want to pick out one fundamental thing that's worth picking out that you said there is definitely that part of adherence and enjoyment. Um, kind of goes in a lot of the stuff that we promote around kind of focusing on process, process orientated goals versus um, outcome oriented goals, that type of stuff. And I think like enjoying the stuff, which this is really good timing, uh, Johnny, not that because you're not on Instagram, you'll know, but I posted on the No Nonsense Nutrition Instagram today, exactly this process versus orientated stuff. Did another one of those fancy little visuals that like slide across. You like doing them, didn't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 um, I did steal the content slightly though. So I'm going to admit to some plagiarism. Um, not not the, the obviously it's all my own post but i did steal some of the uh, visual graphs but i did credit them so i don't know if that counts does that count as plagiarism if you cl- cl- um, credit them no no i don't think so but i just said it inspired the idea so um it, it, and it was about kind of perfection and the process in terms of you kind of learn as you go and adjust um you know kind of repeat learn adjust repeat that type of uh which is basically what coaching is isn't it you implement something you take some time to reflect and review find out what works and what didn't adjust it repeat and just go for and that's what coaching goes process free process yeah and another thing with the good thing about like the modality of cardio and things like especially things like the martial arty type stuff like judo jiu-jitsu we is a lot of thinking to do certain things in there so you move away from or oh, how many calories are going to burn which you wouldn't know anyway but to no, but you can't. You're right. You can't even think about it, can you? Because there's yeah, no way of you knowing, really. Although right. people might now with their watches and things. Oh look, my says I burned seventeen thousand calories. Oh yeah. You could yeah. You move away from that. I mean, like, right, actually, how am I going to get this big person off me? How am I going to get out of this move or lock? How so am I going to stop my arm being twisted out of his joint? Yeah. And it's so and it's so difficult when you when you're. Well, sparring, fighting, whatever you want to call it. It's so difficult. You burn so many calories, I would imagine, compared to like most people's cardio in the gym is pathetic anyway. Like walking on a treadmill. If that's all you can do, fair enough, but it's not really cardio. And uh, that gives you something else to focus on, doesn't it? And 
gives you probably a bit more confidence if you ever needed it in day-to-day life. Yeah. I wouldn't. Maybe not your jujitsu and judo because you don't want to be on the floor, do you really? On the I, 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 I don't. Well, all I was going to say, mate, I think jujitsu is probably what I would say would be the best and the number one self-defense. Um, because you can basically with jujitsu, you most likely be able to disarm, hold anybody that uh, unskilled. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I honestly think if you were to learn a a type of self defense, I think jujitsu would be one of the ones I would say would be the best. Not that I know a lot about any of them to be able to really say, but I think it'd be better than lots of your kind of your your actual martial arts or like what people would know yeah. as martial arts. I guess especially probably called jujitsu martial art, but um. I do think it'd be a good one, actually, jiu-jitsu. I really want to learn jiu-jitsu. I was looking at finding local courses, uh, or local tutors, I should say, around Norwich, literally about two weeks before lockdown happened. So I was really keen on getting back into it. So what do because what the gym I go to, they do jiu-jitsu and, like, mixed martial arts as well. Mm. So I've done a few, I've done a few, and it's like, it, it will help, especially if you're in that situation. Yeah. Hopefully nobody else, but, you know, if you've got the strike in and you can strangle someone if needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, I would say definitely boxing or strike, some striking, boxing, kickboxing, I think it's the best because if you're ever in that situation, usually there's a strike first and whoever strikes first normally wins the night. Not to use you know, but it's, it gives you that confidence when you're, you know, you hear stupid crap happening, people are on a night out getting drunk, getting filled in for no reason. That happens all the time, doesn't it? At least it gives you the confidence to protect yourself. Burns those calories, learn a new skill. Might make you happier, or might find something you love to do, maybe. Because yeah. I, w- I would rather get in a face for 12 rounds than run on a street. Mm-hmm. I don't mind, you know, but... At least when you box, you know, it's something like that. You're looking right. How am I going to defeat this person in front of me? It's just, I just think generally it's just more interesting than most forms of cardio for most people. Although I will say, thing, I do like road cycling because you can get out and about. You can travel long distances road cycling. So I do like getting out on my road bike and just, because I can, because I've got like the closest coast to me is about 17 miles. So it's easy to get to a coast and back on a road bike. Um, nice. in, in the morning so that's quite nice to be able to do plus you can you know some of the stuff that goes along with road cycling tends to be like the the culture drives like cafes and breakfasts and cakes and you know all the nice stuff so um i do like road cycling i obviously i've been doing running a lot of late for the last year and a half i've been kind of doing one one run a week um which i kind of i don't know if i enjoy I don't, certainly don't enjoy the run most of the time I was doing it, but I do, I, I, I motivate myself by setting myself kind of times to beat challenges and stuff. And also I usually run with a friend which is kind of social time. So um, I, I don't enjoy running on my own so much. But then you start going through some of the other typical types of cardio stuff that people do, which just isn't for me at all, I don't think. Not, don't really, I'm not really into swimming. Um, what else do people do? I'm not really not into, I'm definitely not into your Zumba classes. Spinning's all right, but spinning can be... Spin is all right. I'm not overly into spinning because I think spinning is one of those things where you can kind of like set your own difficulty and it's then therefore a bit easy to just make it easy. Do I, do I, if I were classes, generally speaking, people think they burn more than they do, so they eat more than they should because they think they burn more than they have. Mm. And 
I'm not saying everyone, because you can't say everyone, but a lot of people who just focus on classes don't make progress. That's what I was about to say. Same because thing. I think one, some of it's because they think they're burning more calories than they are. And they're, oh, yeah, burn a thousand. Yeah, you didn't. Um, obviously, then the, then the body adapts over time, so they burn less calories. And they watch us and say, no, oh, I'm burning like whatever, a thousand. So they go, oh, I'll go and treat myself now to uh, whatever there is, whatever they want to do, Indian, junk food, pizza, beer, wine, whatever. And they think, right, they do our three, four times a weekend, thinking that they can, well, they've earned it when, obviously, there's another another topic, really. Um, yeah, but that, that's what I was going to say. The thing I don't like about classes is the lack of progression because no one progresses in them because there isn't really, generally, any progression model. Like, you can't really make it harder, generally, because if anything, it gets easier as people get fitter. So you never really have any, because adaptive resistance just kicks in like any form of exercise, same as weight training. And that's why you have to have a progressive model of weight training, either increase intensity, increase volume, um, or increase other markers of progression. You can't, otherwise you, you just adapt because adaptive resistance happens and you just, you never progress. And that's that's the problem always with classes with people. Um, and I think that's half, like as much as people won't always admit this, certainly the people that enjoy classes, like you, you gem, you're very general pop people. Um, which we probably haven't got a lot of listeners that, that do, to be fair, but um, they won't ever admit that. That, that it, I was going to say, they won't admit that it's like not particularly motivating to continue going because most people will either go out of poor relationships of exercise or they won't go consistently and they'll just go have breaks off, go have breaks off, go breaks off. Like this is, the other, I mean, that's that's what I see anyway of people that I know that kind of do, your, you, you know, your typical class or gym bunny type thing um and i think that's just because it's not particularly as much as people won't say that's what i'm saying a long-winded way of saying as much as people won't say this i just don't think they're particularly motivating because there's no progression you just can't you can't ever kind of feel like you're you're getting anywhere with it no um, people don't in general because right. no, people like just doing the classes just to have a social it's a social yeah. thing yeah. but then that's the, but then that's that the, for me that is fine if that's yeah, the reason. it's meant to be good for people. Yeah, but if, if, if that's what people want and that's their goal, then I'm not anyone to say, no, you're wrong and you shouldn't do that because I think that's fine. problem is that people are going to classes because they feel like it's the best thing to do or whatever else. And I don't mean it's the best thing to do because they just you, you don't progress. You can't progress. I mean, even like some of your body pipes, their body pump type stuff. I mean, it's not like people are going in one week doing it, next week going, right, I'm going to increase my weights on certain exercise, you know, like the circuit type stuff that they do or... Yeah, they increase my reps or whatever else. They just they kind of go in and adapt, and then just never do any more than they've done for the last three years. The best class, well, whether you call it a class as such, but CrossFit is taught as a class, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that's probably the best thing you can do to be able to progress, because you know, and then you you see people make progress. I know it gets a bit culty with the paleo and all that sort of stuff, but at least they a good cross a good CrossFit box is well worth the money yeah well at least, but at least, yeah and at least a box owner should be programming so therefore that program they should use should be then following some principles and have a progression model now that may not be the case for a lot of boxes but a good box would yeah i've, I've considered it but to me it's a bit expensive and i think my shoulder would fall out yeah, I, I just don't. I don't like the negative sides of CrossFit or people. Often people talk around in terms of 
you know there's the positive sides of the culture but there's also the negative sides of the culture as well in terms of it it promotes yeah i think you know it depends where you look at it. a good crossfit box with swimming goal but a bad one you just want to avoid it totally because you see so much nonsense there but it does get a bit culty it? so people can't like there's a there's a crossfit video about fighting it's like crossfit is not going to help you fight in whatsoever <laughs> and it's like yeah do it doing this certain exercise it's just like throwing a punch where yeah, well, it's not you yeah. try doing that you try fighting a boxer you because you go you can do crossfit it's not something end very well things like that are stupid stick to what it is do it well and it's a good sport class whatever you want to call it there's a there's a girl in my gym who i think I'm not sure she's professional, but I know she's been in the Reebok games once or twice. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jesus Christ, what a shape. Massive legs, strong as hell. It's like, oh my God, she looks awesome, fair play to her. Yeah. Using, but whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's like, that's another thing, isn't it? People look to them and think, oh yeah, I can look like that. Well, mm, mm, yeah. probably However, you can make a good, you can make really good progress. But phenomenal. Athlete, yeah. and believe in the guy, he would, put me to gym and everything. She squatted, like, asked to heal with, like, 120, 130. I'm like, God, <laughs> you animal. And fair play. And the car do they do? The box jumps. They're all around good fitness. So that's probably the best classy type um, endeavor you can do. But I think generally, gen pop are quite put off by that, aren't they? I think... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some some gen pop go. I'll give it a go, and then really get into it, and they kind of almost join the cult, for one yeah. or better phrase. Now, you know, I don't mean that really derogatory as it sounds. But you know what I mean? They they get into it because they love the community, and that's why they keep going to CrossFit. I mean, I've got friends that have done that, and some of them are people you'd, I'd never expected to get into CrossFit, but they've just found something where they've just enjoyed going because of the people of wanting to keep them going. You know, the the, the community, the the box, just I suppose the the exercise, the endorphins, everything just started to promote their adherence to it, and they love it. So. And it does give into our mindset of, of competition as well. Like, I've done this last week, she's done this, or he's done this next to me last week. I've got to beat him or her. You know, it can give into our mentality. And that's a good way of doing it, of progressing, especially you know, especially in terms of weight training, because I'm often see people go into the gym with no plan, with no idea what's going on, never really progressing weights or volume or anything. At least with that, it does breed a bit of competition, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I got to beat you. I got to beat you, especially in men. Men are more competitive than women in general, aren't they? Women are more sensible, of course, so they don't get injured as much. But mm. it's not so much ego with women, is there? They just lift, they lift, and as it with men, it's like, I put 20 kg more on than last week. No, oh, you probably can't, but I'll give it a go, anyway. No, mm. oh, that's it. injured. But if I, if, I, if I wasn't, I didn't have previous injuries, I'd probably do it. Mm. Yeah. That's different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use just my whole training uh set up i probably do at least once a week yeah i think the thing is like the more i think the more experience i get or the more I, the kind of longer I, I i i mean i've been into lifting i genuinely think the less a lot of the intricacies matter and what i mean by that is i think the predominant fact that's going to get you the majority of results is Age old favourite, just fucking turning up consistency. I think you could you could basically lift consistently however you want, even if it's like the form of lifting might be such blah 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 whatever. 
um yes you know we've already talked about has to have some progression you have to have, you know have, things have to get harder in air quotes whatever that harder mo- like mode is but i think just being consistent will get a big chunk of your results 100 percent. i think we all especially coaches can be get so bogged down in the minutia that just is irrelevant to most people and it's only really relevant to the top one percent of the pop of the world with the elite athletes the elite bodybuilders, the professional athletes, the professional footballers, who will need that extra, or oh, this supplement might has been shown to help in 1% of situations, which mm-hmm. might work for pro athlete. Though those things added up make a big difference to, you know, a 100-meter sprinter or professional bodybuilder, weightlifter, whatever. And I think because you tend to see a lot of things come from bodybuilding down, supplementation, training modalities, uh, nutrition setups, and people get, but it's like the keto versus uh, keto diet versus any other diet. You know, keto is best. Well, even if it is marginally better, does it really make a difference? No, not at all. If you're training, you should be training for a long time, not just, oh, I'm just training for 12 weeks to get to on the beach or whatever, you're training for your life. Like, if keto did drop an extra pound a month quicker because of water, then does that really make any difference to your results? No. Not not, not, if, not if it's water, mate, because you drink what? and it'll go back. So. The only thing I mind with it is if you're trying to make weight, and obviously if weight on a scale is, well, water weight, isn't it? And you do that, you make weight, all right? It makes a difference there. But people get too bogged down in... in People can forget 99.9% of the things they know, well, not know, but they've seen about nutrition, and then just stick to the little bits. If you want to lose weight, be in the calorie deficit, weight, trying to maintain muscle mass. If you want to gain, if you want to gain muscle, eat in a surplus, generally, and make progress in the gym via increasing sets, weight, reps, whatever. Do those things, sleep well, eat good quality food, and you'll get like you said, ninety percent of the results, or more even. I mean, so more. If all supplements were banned forever, it wouldn't make a difference. Not enough, anyway. No, marginally. Not enough. Yeah. It, it, the, the, I mean, I guess we attribute supplementation towards health and fitness is like your, your few percent points we're not we're not treating it to massive chunks so which i guess like with the gyms opening soon um in wales and obviously gyms already opening in england we're going to start to see uh, a lot more occurrences again of those uh, luminous colored bottle of drinks that people used to have around the gym well i was just going to mention that funny enough and i've taken into workers before which contain things like eaas pcas caffeine what else you got in there? Um, usually, usually um, uh, dextrose or yeah. you know some form of glucose. Or... For, for a normal weight training session, pointless. Not needed, probably ever. Not Well, I say ever. Like I said, maybe for an elite athlete, you really want to get the real maximum performance, you may do it. But the only time I've ever seen, ever seen it do anything and you could feel it is when I was on a... 90 mile bike ride on top of an hill, cramped from head to toe, and I took um, an intra workout supplement which had I think it was dextrose um, 
and some electrolytes. And literally you could feel the difference because you're at the extreme of where your body can go. And like generally people in the gym don't take it to that extreme lifting weights generally. Oh, it's a different modality of training, but they've, well, most most people don't need it. Don't need anything in drew workout. Not at all, especially electrolytes. <clears throat> Do you sweat enough, really, in an hour? Are you getting rid of that many electrolytes in an hour weight training? Do you need that? No. Do you need BCAs? No. EAAs? No. Carbs? Probably not. Most people don't need anything. Pre-workout sometimes can make, if you're tired, you're up early, whatever. Because, again, that's just the caffeine in it. There's a lot to dissect there, I think, mate. Um, I like doing it. So, I mean, we could probably talk through all of those, I think, um, in terms of different types of intra-workouts people might use. We could talk about pre-workouts. Let's actually let's start with pre-workouts because I think you, I think that maybe let's just go in the, the chronological order of when you might take them. So pre pre-workouts in terms of um, are they beneficial? And I guess maybe we can then go into what ingredients are in you usually in them and whether they would generally then be beneficial or not. So uh, benef- so pre-workouts you just said maybe. So let's let's go with I concur maybe. Um, I would probably say actually maybe a bit more. I I would tend to lean a bit more to probably useful for most, but certainly not necessary. Um, and also I I am also a bit concerned for people that if they become reliant on them, as well though. So as much as I'm saying beneficial for most, it's probably something that if it becomes something that is kind of then taking that step too far and it becomes a reliant and aka you can't train without them or you feel that like you're always going to have a shit session without them, then maybe consider your relationship with said pre-workouts would be where I stand. But um, in terms of ingredients in them, so we usually have what? Caffeine, um, usually so, like some will have some sort of pump formula like arginine or... Um, some sort of nitric oxide or nitrates or something like that, which obviously increases blood flow, um, hence pump, obviously pump up the muscles. Um, some will have beta alanine, um, yeah, and citrulline malate, which are basically uh, lactate buffers or um, you know, lactate buffers. So basically they, they delay fatigue. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract lengths, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. You do um, find though, they, they, a lot of people put them in, in, in such insignificant, well, they don't look at the data of what is the amount that's needed to do anything. They just put enough in to make you tingle, which makes you think it's working. And I think that's one of the things in it. Yeah. Oh, win something. Yeah, but it's not because it's not enough. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, I guess like, let's, so let's look at those ingredients and we can touch on that. So the, so caffeine, so ergogenic effect or not. So beneficial, is it efficacious? efficacious? Yeah. Yeah. In the right doses. That's so let's, let's start with that. So yes, caffeine is definitely something we say works and the evidence base suggests this. However, you've made a really good point there in terms of the dosages seen to have a performance benefit are in the kind of three to six milligrams per kilogram of body weight i think i've got that right three to six milligrams yeah. just make sure you get certainly if you're dosing caffeine make sure you get that right because if you overdose 
you can die so let's not fuck that up as as a uh, as people have done before i think was it i think uh oxford cambridge one of the universities in the uk a few years back then they uh, got their decimal points in the wrong place and um i think two a couple of university lads that, that like jocks you know you sporty people uh end up some, taking something like 18 grams of caffeine instead of 1.8 grams oh that must uh, be but, yeah both, both went into a coma for a week lost something like two stone of body weight um and basically should have died but, but i think because they were young i suppose metabolically fit um which obviously helped process caffeine etc blah, blah blah survived um with obviously hospital treatment um but that kind of shows you like basically don't fuck your caffeine doses up to be honest i do think caffeine especially unless you're taking it um i mean usually i think most of them sell them pills anyway so it's a bit harder you're not very d on Oh, I accidentally taken twenty pills when I was supposed to take two. That's not probably you're probably going to know that's not right. Um, it's probably a bit easier to mess your powder up. But even then, though, like when you look at how much eighteen grams of powder of caffeine is, that does look quite a lot. And you can yeah. imagine it probably like you can think in this study. Hmm, did this? Did the uh, researcher giving this stuff out not think that looks a lot of powder? It's not really going into that orange juice very well, is it? <laughs> no, exactly. We think. Hmm. I about now yeah but anyway going going back to the dosage thing so i mean say say for me then um i would have to take for a performance benefit of you know 80 odd kilos so what's that eight one six two forty so anywhere between 240 and 480 milligrams of caffeine according to the research to have a beneficial effect on performance which is equivalent of uh two to four cans of monster um or i don't know a couple of starbucks venti starbucks or you know, it's much easier to just take it in a supplement, really, but um, that type of thing. Or you have probably your average couple of scoops or double scoop of a pre-workout. You find your most pre-workouts will have somewhere anywhere between 100 and 300 grams, a uh, milligram, sorry, uh, of caffeine in. But your point is just to rate like if someone's just having a shot of espresso, mm, if you think that's having a performance benefit, it's probably not unless you weigh 20 kilos. That's true. Yeah. So it doesn't need, it doesn't need to. I people don't know the dosage there. I think you could make a pre-workout up, make it look pretty, and it could be full of shit, and yeah. people would take it and think they're going to benefit because of the psychological effect yeah. of it. Well, uh, and yeah, and align that with some of the other stuff that's in it. So caffeine, we say, works. Beta-alanine and citrulline malate both have mixed but reasonably accepted that there's probably some potential benefit. However, because the, the, they're fatigue buffers by nature, they do work with endurance-based stuff. So sticking them in a pre-workout is probably pretty pointless. Pretty pointless unless you're doing either the higher rep stuff, where like higher volume, higher rep work, where obviously you could start to feel a bit more endurance-based type exercise, even though clearly they're not resistance training. But they might help a little bit in terms of perception of fatigue or delay kind of lactic buildup and stuff in the like really high rep work. But for your average gym girl, you're probably not going to get out of it. And like the point you made in terms of beta-alanine, and obviously it has um, obviously the effect of um, not paresthesia, which is basically tingling of the skin, um, which is a harmless side effect. But if you take, obviously, I think it's, I don't know, three, four, five grams for most people, that will make your skin tingle, which is obviously, like you say, for, for people buying or selling the stuff, it's like, oh, if we make their skin tingle, they'll think it's working. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, but actually, you need to take five grams daily and every day because it works in the same way as creatine in saturating stores. 
like both citrulline malate and that so the likelihood is you're probably not getting a lot out of your pre-workout with it either and it certainly doesn't have to be timed pre-workout because it's something that has to be um, built up over time and not just it's not an acute acutely timed supplement like caffeine would be yeah is it something like up to 10 weeks of taking it uh, like, i'll be honest mate i don't it, think it, I it's a bit high isn't it yeah i don't think i could tell you i mean obviously creatine we would, we would say a number like you know a couple two three weeks and you might should hope as long as you're taking like a reasonable dose of five grams a day i mean you creatine historically you've always said or people always used to think you had to front load like 20 grams up front and then then kind of pre then currently continually load five grams a day whereas you can you don't have to preload you can just do five grams a day and it will just generally it'll just take a bit longer to saturate that's all and obviously that's when you start should start to see performance and obviously creatine another one you might get in pre-workouts and um, actually we didn't mention has one of the biggest and most positive um evidence basis behind it there's no doubt that it does have a positive effect on um strength and performance the thing with that though is when we say it has a positive effect you might get a five percent difference and for most people probably less that you that even though it's having a positive benefit you might not notice like most people i speak to when they take creatine over a long period of time they probably say i don't actually know if it's doing any good or not that's how small the benefit is but it's so right. cheap and the evidence base is so good then it's just i think for most people it's worthwhile doing anyway plus there's a whole number of health benefits that are associated with creatine supplementation now compared to um uh, not supplementing so because you just can't get enough creatine through diet so it's contained in kind of a lot of your like red meat um i think mackerel and some of the fish and, and those types of foods but you can't get enough to super compensate in the way you can just to like, like supplementing five grams a day say so but anyway go so going back to the, the malate citrulline malates and, and betalanines um for me not really worth taking probably more suited to your endurance type athletes um along with your sodium bicarbonates uh which Again, you wouldn't take if you're pre-workout on a training session uh, in a gym. Mm. Um, so the, anything else generally goes in there? Results. Well, the pump, the pump formulas, I guess things like you say your nitrates, your arginines, those types of things that generally often happen as well. I think they're probably in there partly for again for the physical effects of just making you feel like they work like a pre like a pre-workout actually works because you go in there you get a massive swell on your pump your muscles are tight and you're like whoa this is definitely working there could i suppose over time i mean i don't i don't really know if there's any direct evidence to say that that contributes to hypertrophy because i mean we know that things like metabolites and metabolic stress is part of the you know presumed um causes of hypertrophy but we don't know whether taking things like a pre-workout to increase that blood flow and and swell is actually going to contribute as well or whether it's just purely the the, the metabolic um disruption you get from just lifting the weights I don't think you really know so yeah. i don't know i'll be honest I, I i like a pre-workout i said i think i think it's good and i think for the caffeine alone is enough for most people to benefit because you probably get a better session in um, certainly if you train in the morning as well don't be taking caffeine at six o'clock at night when you're going to the gym you know start fucking smashing them 400 milligrams when you're yeah. going to bed in three hours uh, like well yeah people ought to consider that stuff but but no i think that's probably i don't think i don't know what else really in pre-workouts i think that's mostly it intras so intras so what do we get in intras so we've obviously mentioned i guess sometimes yeah sometimes bcas yeah. some for hours uh, carbohydrates like whether it be what's the new ones these days cyclic dextrin or some yeah. of stuff they go for targo dextrose maltodextrin yeah the targo i think is a high, highly broad chained 
cyclic cyclic duchess is it i don't know if it's the same thing yeah. isn't isn't for target the brand name rather than the actual possibly yeah yeah uh, i'll be honest i'm not really an expert because i i don't think i've really ever used them the only intro record i've ever really had is gummy bears <laughs> haribo or something um Whereas you go on like the bcas if you go and examine which if, if everyone's looking at a supplement and they want to know doesn't do anything go on examine.com and it'll tell you bcas level of evidence Outcome, increase in aerobic exercise capacity, minor, four studies, not a lot. Fat oxidation, minor. Um, consistency of research results, low, three studies. Fatigue reduction, minor. Um, consistency of research results, moderate. Where, where's, where's the ones for hypertrophy? So they're, obviously what's the outcome for like either muscle growth or whatever they would describe it as? Hmm. I, I know the answer. I just want to know what they say. Fatigue, lactate production, ammonia. Like, I guess just just so, let's let's just touch on before we go through it all. Um, I guess the idea of like BCAs were popular because it was so BCAs that the people that know branch chain amino acids. So um, obviously specific amino acids that people thought were vital for 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 muscle gain or would help improve hypertrophy or muscle gain. Um, and I guess the idea was that sipping bcaa's mid-workout while you're obviously technically catabolic because you're you're kind of damaging and breaking down protein or muscle tissue during your workout when you're lifting weights and therefore the bcaa's would help negate some of that breakdown and then create a more positive net effect of muscle protein synthesis um you know over a period over your 24 hours or whatever and um i guess like there is this issue that the evidence doesn't really support that if because because most of the research or papers out there that shows a positive benefit to uh, muscle protein synthesis but when consuming or supplement with bcas is when they just not eat enough protein generally but when you kind of match when you compare groups that where they're consuming sufficient protein adding in bcas makes no fucking difference well it's like well because obviously bcas are going to be better than nothing <laughs> but BCAs are not better than taking a full amino acid uh, or, or you know, an actual protein source that have full amino acids in. So an EAA, we are saying, will be more beneficial then than a BCAA. Yeah. Again, comparing ECA, EAAs versus BCAs. But comparing EAAs versus a full amino acid, so not just the essential, you know, like a fucking food or whey protein, say, again, no extra benefit. But... For most people, why would they want to take an EAA into workout? Considering you're going to be breaking down the muscles, you are going to be catabolic, and then you obviously want to refuel later yeah. next to help recovery, which then sees the growth. Why well, would you take an EAA in the first place? Well, this is it. Why would you, Johnny? That's the answer. That's the question because I don't think there's a there's a no one's really been able to tell me a positive answer because when you look at the research, you know, look at the research of protein supplementation uh, and timing versus um, total intake over the day. And there is very little difference when you just kind of compare just total, total protein versus specific nutrient time of the same amount. They basically have no difference. So basically it kind of alludes you to be as long as you're consuming enough protein, total protein basically has um, no additional effect. So, so, why would you that's the point why would you bother taking eaas during a you know expensive supplement during a session when actually the evidence suggests if you just have the same amount of protein over a day anyway 
this outcome's the same. Now, I know some people will say that, well, actually, we don't have the longitudinal studies over a long period of time because it's just too expensive to run those studies. To work out whether over 20 years of doing that, you would actually have gained more muscle than, you know, basically having like essential amino acids or BCAAs during a, you know, training session compared to someone that didn't. But the fact that so many things contribute to hypertrophy anyway, into and some of the predominant factors being things like genetics, um, total protein having a big big chunk of it, I just think it's just not even worth considering. Like it's just such a waste of money. Like when you know that basic and and the thing is the other question would be well, um, if even if it was a had a positive effect, which we don't even know necessarily is the case, why not just have whey protein, which is a lot cheaper than buying fancy colored liquids to get to drink yeah. through because think... just, just 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 sorry before you chip in just because right just for people that maybe like doesn't don't understand the point i just made branch chain amino acids are only a few of the amino acids available out of the 20 or 21 depending on what you what what part of science you want to believe look at believe look at look at um essential amino acids are just the essential amino acids that our body requires to survive there's obviously then unessential amino acids and slash um uh what's what, not considered essential uh conditionally essential that's what i'm looking for conditionally essential which i think is just glutamine is that right it is glutamine. um cool. uh so obviously just to go back bcas are small a few of them eas are a bit more of them like nine of them and then obviously you kind of got all of them which is in whey so surely having whey protein which has all 20 <laughs> essential amino acids is going to be better than having just nine or three and especially when out of all of those three supplements, the one with 20 is a lot cheaper than the other two. Yeah. So, is, yeah. So the kind of things like the arguments for anyone considering to take BCAAs and EAAs at any point in their diet, let alone pre-workout, seems a bit, I, I don't get why you would. Because I, I don't think it's, I don't think you need to have any amino acids during your workout for the most part, unless you just had a mammoth session. Um, yeah. But, and also, man, I think like you know your four-hour bro session, <laughs> but I think like even if you were to, why would you choose BCAs or EAs over whey? Other than maybe I just like the taste of them. That is true, but I think an intra-workout are really only useful for me and from experience of doing it. In these is is high-intensity endurance exercise. Well, high-intensity endurance doesn't make really make sense, but you know what I mean smashing it for hours and hours and hours on end then you will feel the difference depending on what they put in the it's, du- it's, it's duration isn't it yes duration. duration and like like many professional athletes will train multiple times a day and like if you're a footballer you probably have to do weight training as a part of your overall fitness so you've gone right i gotta i got i gotta go into work work that's funny isn't it i go work at nine whatever I got to do an hour, of, hour and a half of weights, 10 till half past 11, then whatever. Then I got to go for a three hour, whatever. I don't know, only train two or three hour session in the afternoon. So you, your main session that day is always going to be the football. Clean, your weight training supplements your football. So you might put a pre, an intra workout in there and a post workout probably just to ensure that you recover and recover enough to perform well enough in the training session. So intra workers probably come into play if you're doing multiple sessions a day and or 
you've got prolonged sessions. Mm. If you do an hour of weight training, I don't think they'd ever ever need it. Absolutely, no, absolutely bang on. But, uh, but so, what people say to me, what people say is they well yeah, but in, insert Instagram twenty stone with abs guy. Yeah, but he takes a look at him. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it works, does it? That's that's a very stupid. That, that, mean, that means he's got a discount code to vlog. Yeah, he's got a discount code to vlog. <laughs> like saying, well, you wouldn't take financial advice of a lottery winner, would you? You wouldn't. And a lot of these people are lottery winners in genetic, um, the genetic lottery. So, so, certainly not our local lottery winners. Michael Carroll come from Swartham. <laughs> he went. Yeah. I think he went. He, can you remember my him, Michael Carroll? Yeah, the guy was worn stupid chains. Yeah, all those fucking gold, like, gypsy rings and what are they called? Gypsy rings, keeper rings. What are the puzzle rings? That's it as well. He had all those. How could he squander £10 million and have Um, nothing for it? Easy. He built the Destruction Derby in the back of his house that he bought, um, smashed up a load of cars, and then he used to go around uh, the streets of Swatham, apparently, and uh, ball bear pellet people's cars and stuff, just vandalise things. And obviously he had to pay loads of money out because he was vandalising things. So people get you go like right, you're not having that money because you're an absolute idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's dickhead. Anyway, but no, you're absolutely right. Like, I think so. It's kind of the the carbohydrate part of pre workout then. So in terms of the the sugars or carbohydrates that would be in these pre workouts, which is obviously you know for people's sessions to make them train harder or last longer. The fact is, the evidence that suggests if you've got full glycogen stores prior to you know a let's say a less than 75 minute training session you're not going to get any much benefit out of them most likely um the only caveat i would say is if you're dieting for long periods or you're in you know maybe deep in a diet uh a diet period maybe timing your carbohydrates beforehand or having a very quick digestion thing through if that's what you prefer might have some beneficial effect because you could potentially be on low glycogen stores um chronically because you know you're dieting for chronically so that's where the the environment slightly changes but for the most part if you're not dieting or you're not dieting hard really you can probably you know anything less than 75 minutes say you, the, the meals you're eating generally just throughout the day won't mean will mean that you'll get more than enough out of your train session or should be um unless you're just going like stupidly low carb or something going keto <laughs> um yeah where you just don't have to worry about it and you shouldn't be doing it obviously if you start going longer duration or the point you made around having to refill glycogen for a same for a next session the same day say then yeah that becomes the timing of it and maybe either pre or intra becomes more important but otherwise it's just again it's just so little to worry about and you're probably not going to see any benefit from and if anything and a conversation i had with one of my client tom earlier um around kind of um potentially dieting but also needing to consider performance aka nutrient timing of carbohydrates for exercise stuff a lot of the time the adherence aspect of like if i eat prior to a workout if i'm say maybe as example training first in the morning but i can't stick to my diet the rest of the day because i've used up half my calories in for trying to train my session fucks up my adherence then all of a sudden that becomes more priority than actually trying to fuel that session that type of thing so it's way more to think about it as well but adherence is king especially in a diet yeah um so yeah anyway so yeah the whole the whole carbohydrate thing is just again i think you should be more thinking about glycogen stores and whether i'm likely to have full glycogen or all that type of stuff and the duration of your 
exercise whether you feel like it's important otherwise i think for the most part just it's never never needed you just not i think i think any benefit you probably get in those scenarios are going to be psychological although it might be a reason to do it if you're getting psychologically a benefit like even pre-workout so like if you're not dieting you probably don't need a pre-workout carbohydrate source mostly because you should have full glycogen stores because if you're not dieting um but some people will still do it anyway because they just feel like it sets them up for the session they have a psychological boost or benefit from it just you can't really argue with i suppose you say okay fine fair enough i do that you know i would still do that i guess i would be thinking why wouldn't i yeah so if i'm not if i'm not dieting i haven't got an adherence issue to worry about because i, sh- well, I shouldn't have anyway because if i'm not dieting i shouldn't have appetite issues or anything to worry about so uh, I can then afford to have a carbohydrate meal, or like a, a meal high in carbohydrates prior to my workout. So therefore, I'm just trying to eke out and get as much as I can out of that session, even if necessary, uh, not necessarily. I need, I need to, but um, and obviously, so all the elements and like the more specific elements are almost like they're designed for elite athletes who just want to make more money. And yeah, they probably were market it to general pop, which makes no like it's like. What's the other ones? Like the beetroot juice and the tart cherry juice, the ones you see, they're like stupid money. And like, what, what, what are you taking that for? So well, benefit zero. Yeah. Yeah. Elite athletes. Absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely right. Certainly on the, the intro workout stuff, I can imagine a lot of stuff probably was kind of used by athletes and then it just filters down as a sales product for Gen Pop, um, which is probably also, you could say the same, like like nitrate supplementation, like beetroot juice and stuff. Tart cherry, I guess, is more for sleep and promoting um, melatonin production, non-set sleep. Um, but certainly your gym, if we're talking about gym and general pop again, just not even a consideration i've never i would diet, don't take any supplements no, yeah. no no exactly and I, i've never ever recommended that to anyone other like beetroot juice or beetroot supplementation i've only ever recommended potentially to performance related people people that are really keen on performance and not general pop weight loss that type of stuff because obviously it has no effect um and to be honest i've never recommended tart cherry juice to anyone no not me um because i think if we're talking about sleep and i've had a couple of clients like my uh, amazing ex-client now amanda um she used to have the horrendous or still does have horrendous sleep issues in terms of insomnia and just poor sleep latency and, and all those things and we've worked on so many things and not once did we think about things like touch chart touch because there's just so many other big rocks we could focus on to try and improve sleep um whereas something like tart cherry juice is just the evidence there is some evidence about showing a, a decent enough effect i don't think for your your athlete your professional athlete is worth ticking off every tiny little box you can but for most people it's just again i mean have you ever seen how much exp- how expensive that stuff is like a bottle of tart cherry juice so expensive yes yeah, i mean why it's remember seeing it before they get jesus christ that is mental yeah. mental money like say if you're a professional footballer and grand a week then i've had it do we want oh your club's probably gonna pay for it anyway all but things, all these little things at that level Make a difference. Like what you know, hundred meters spin. If it's ten, if it's ten competitors, what is the time difference between one and ten? Not a lot. Mm. A couple of percent. You know, what I means if that supplement gives you that point one percent even at that level, it makes a difference. Like yeah. for us, for any from ninety nine point nine nine percent of the population, pointless, pointless. Well, I think we've now decided what Johnny feels about supplementation. I suppose coursework. Yeah, I was going to say, I suppose the only other thing now is post-workout, which I guess you would probably say... Chocolate milk. I'm done. That's it. <laughs> Chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. 
probably not so good in a diet mind, but you know, yeah, well. milk is the business. <laughs> um, in all serious, well, it is serious actually, but yeah, I guess like um, your your post workout supplementation, we would say, is kind of most likely to be a form of protein and potentially a form of protein and carbohydrates. I think most people would understand or have heard anyway that you should try to keep fat low because fat slows digestion and potentially then the uptake of kind of your amino acids or your protein which obviously you're looking to do to to, to augment muscle protein synthesis and aid recovery as well um we could touch on whether you need carbohydrates post-workout we kind of have already slightly by by proxy or indirectly but like yeah, it depends isn't it like what does it depend on well are you gonna <clears throat> Deplete all your glycogen stores in an hour weight training session? Absolutely no. not. Not a chance. And, it, and if, especially if you're bulking, you're trying to gain, you're trying to gain muscle, you're going to have full stores anyway, more than likely. And then if you've reduced 50%, I mean, you're going to can reconsume that across the day anyway. Yeah. So you don't need a supplement of carbohydrates, just eat your I, normal diet. I think even if you're low going in, I don't think many people can get to a point where they actually deplete completely because i think one the muscle just stop contracting completely and you just fall over trying to get out of the gym uh, if you, you deplete your legs but i just don't think i don't know how how possible actually i don't even know if it's physically possible to deplete your muscles completely do you know? no i don't know i don't know if you can like does does it stop them mechanically working if you completely deplete them because they have no fuel or substrate then to do i don't know i actually genuinely don't know it's a good question to need it tonight to move. Oh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so going back to your point. Uh, yeah. And like again, before, it's like I went to talk with the footballer. You've got another session coming up in two hours' time. Then you probably do to try and perform. Ideally, you would need enough glycogen stored in your body to perform. Mm. Especially with footballer. But like again, if you're bulky and trying to gain muscle and you think you need to take whatever, a cyclic dextrin mixed with whey straight after training. It's like, yeah, you probably don't. Because you're, especially, well, you, you're going to eat in a post-workout meal regardless, isn't it? I would imagine. So you're probably going to eat enough carbs to refill that anyway. You, I doubt you will need uh, a carbide drink in addition to that. Mm-hmm. So just, is there any evidence then comparing... So obviously, well, I know that there obviously there are papers or researchers, research papers out there comparing protein versus protein and carbs for recovery and protein synthesis. Is there any evidence to suggest that having protein and carbohydrates is better than having protein alone? Oh, you know, I can't, I can't even remember. It's bad, though, isn't it? It's quite bad, Johnny. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you there isn't. So, as in, sorry, well, there isn't any benefit in terms of increased muscle protein synthesis or anything for having both protein and carbs because i guess like fundamentally this comes from this myth that uh oh chef you've got to have a two to one ratio of uh carbs to protein i don't know which way around it is actually protein to carbs carbs to protein i think carbs to protein i think you'd have twice as much carbs as protein i would think i don't know if actually if that's right or not so anyone that knows that myth correct me but um anyway there's always this myth i think that which i think is where like the whole chocolate milk thing comes from in terms of like oh there's there's twice the amount of carbs to protein in chocolate milk so it's like the perfect recovery uh, post-workout drink um which i think in reality actually um, the points you've made already in terms of it doesn't augment protein synthesis compared to protein alone so therefore that takes it out the window in that aspect 
and the only other real reason to have it is if you need to replenish glycogen because you need carbohydrates soon but i'll be honest even even having a protein shake post-workout for me um is not necessarily an essential need to have because for most people you know we've already talked about total protein intake having a more importance over than protein timing um so basically total total protein intake over the day but it also if people are swigging a shake a weight shake at the gym because they're worried about their gains but then they're going to go home and have a meal like 90 percent of people do anyway then just go and have the meal save 150 calories or if you're adding calories you'll probably save maybe 300 calories exactly so it's kind of like well i mean don't be wrong i don't think having a protein shake after a workout is a bad habit and obviously as long as it isn't taking you into a calorie surplus or or taking away from your goal i should say because maybe your goal is a calorie surplus but if you're trying to diet say or you're trying to maintain weight as long as you're not adding needless calories then maybe having it is a is a decent habit because there is you know is a good time to have it in terms of increased nutrient uptake from the workout um and obviously augmenting protein synthesis there's no harm in having it if you, even if you are going to go home and have a meal again but I also would think that it might be stressful for a lot of people to try and force one in at that point, thinking, oh, I've got to have it. But actually, they're going to have a meal anyway. Then why the stress about it? Because you don't need to. You could have just went and had your meal. Um, but also, I think a lot of people would say it's a good habit to have to increase total protein intake because otherwise a lot of people will under eat on protein. So why not stick a shake in after your workout? Because if that, if that means you're at least going to take it, then great. Yeah, especially for the D-Runs. Yeah, if you lack protein for the day, yeah, have that in there. But if you're bulking... Shotland milk. If you can afford however many calories in a litre of that, a lot, get that in you because it tastes nice. Who doesn't want chocolate milk for after after draining? Oh, I got a bottle of um. Oh, I used to have it in Spain as a child, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's something with C. I know I was going to say like obviously cacao or cocoa, but I don't think it is. There's something similar, but in Spanish, I think. Or I used to always have it in Spain anyway. I got some at Morrison's the other day. It's sitting in my fridge at the minute. Can't wait to drink that. Problem is, it's got like I think it's it's only about a two hundred and fifty mil bottle, little glass bottle. It's got something like fifteen grams of fat in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whoa! I must be using like super high fat milk, like cream basically. Buzzing though. Can you hear yeah. me? Yeah. Here's my Yeah. Can you hear me? Because I've had to go inside into my garage because um, they're starting to rain. <laughs> I was sitting outside. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're nearly done anyway. We're, we're hitting hour mark now, mate. Have we already? Yeah, we have. That's because it's been fun. It's lucky. i got 90% battery left as well, so we timed the right timing. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, just leaves me nothing else to say, really, other than don't forget your cheese. NNN10, lol. <laughs> Every week I have to plug that. Yes, um, as well. Yeah, say it again. I didn't Once. hear it. Say it again. I, th- I think you broke up. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, I've actually paid full price for it a couple of times. What? How dare you? If it's all right in a shop, but don't pay, pay full price online. That's ridiculous. Um, I'm not on that you, you can use. Oh, okay. Okay. If not, you can use our own discount code. You know. Um, yeah. We were talking about this during the week, weren't we? Saying about how it's nice to be able to promote something that you genuinely buy, would buy yourself and genuinely believe is a decent product. Yeah. And for what? Up. Yeah. Rather than because people might not think that when we're trying to sell it. Um, and, and to be fair, um, I don't know her real name, but there was someone I was chatting to on Instagram whose, whose Instagram ID is Noodles. Um, noodles with loads of Zs, I think. And uh, she was asking about the cheese. Is it any good? Like, or is it, you know, can you be honest? And I was like, well, it's hard for me to say because you're going to think I'm selling it to you, but genuinely, I'm not trying to sell it to you. And I was trying to manage her expectations to say, like, the cheese, the Eat Lean original 
is not a replacement for cheddar. Like if you really, if you're a cheese lover and you want a high fat cheddar or a nice cheddar, then you're probably going to be a bit disappointed if that's what your expectations are because it's not. But it's pretty close. And for the nutritional content of obviously the original, bear in mind it's better than whey protein. Um, for me, it's a no brainer. Summer's coming. Hello, Summer. Night, night. Okay. Night, night. Say night, night to everyone listening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear her? Mm. <laughs> Sorry, people, but my three-year-old wants to say night night. Um, yeah. The anyway, the cheese is decent. The eating tasty is as good as the cheddar, if you ask me. And that's still probably only like two-thirds to nearly half the calories anyway, and higher in protein. So that's a like a no-brainer. Um, but obviously, they got way other products now. I, I got some syrups during the week or in the last week maybe in the last week because i now started to, to make eat lean syrups like guilt-free calorie-free syrups and um genuinely again not just saying this best calorie-free syrups i've had however if you're going to compare them to an actual syrup get out of here because you're going to be bitterly disappointed because they are not an actual syrup but they're still the best like calorie-free ones because normally calorie-free or they're just a bit watery and a bit nothingness and a bit like like a runny gel is anybody describing whereas these are actually a, like a nicer texture and taste nicer so um for anyone that needs a nice i use the word need not once needs a calorie free syrup to, to use in terms of on yogurts or in yogurts or on oats or on pancakes or whatever you want to do on your stinky protein pancakes then they are a good good buy if you ask me um but they're not obviously ever going to replace fucking maple syrup get out of here if you think that's oh. the case but oh the other thing and while i'm banging on about eating i did have porridge oats they have super porridge oats which are oats with whey in and uh, all i will say and the best or the best thing to say about that is uh they tasted like porridge normal porridge oats so no oh, you can't go wrong because the thing is like and i had this conversation with uh, my buddy ben i don't know why i ever used to make protein or proats protein oats because i i, I think why didn't i just make porridge and have a whey shake on the side yeah because to be honest, as, so- as soon as you stir whey like powder into your oats it goes gritty grainy funny consistency tastes like shit like, mm. always seems like a good idea but like, you look back and I think what a fucking stupid idea proats do you have proats Probes. do you eat proats no no you're about not now you did this morning but you're about, you're not to anymore is what you're saying because no, I've just as I have for a, probably six weeks eight weeks now I haven't eaten oats at all no oh what because of the old gastrointestinal problems i don't know why because you wouldn't think those in particular would uh, do that but uh, since then i haven't yeah. i've had one or two spells of it but not, nothing like normal yeah. sort of i mean i bash proats like i say i used to do it thinking it was great think, yeah it's all right but i look back and think i was kidding myself i was never really that good and it's much better to have actual porridge and then just have a protein shake on the side which is obviously the same outcome of stirring it into your porridge yeah. so uh yeah, I won't be doing that again. But the, the, the super oats are really decent, actually. They do just taste like normal porridge, so with a bit higher protein in because it's got whey protein concentrate in it. So um, that doesn't come out of funny texture. So certainly worth buying. Anyway, I think I've banged on about Eat Lean before anyone else slates me and says, oh, you, you fucking love Eat Lean, don't you? You love it. It is good, though. Yeah, it is, it is good. Um, I, I just, and I like the company. So anyway, uh, we have some coaching spots available if anyone's interested. Um, I've just taken on a new client. But uh, Johnny, you've still got some spots, haven't you? So if anyone wants to get in touch um, and inquire, have a free consultation, um, obviously a no obligation consultation, then please uh, email info at nncoaching.com or you can 
DM us, you know, slide into our DMs on any of the socials. Um, That does slide. And then uh, slide into our free Facebook group if you're interested as well. So uh, just uh, yeah, slide into that. No Nonsense Nutrition on Facebook. And uh, I think that's all we've got to plug. I think that is all we've got to plug, yeah. Yeah. Other than uh, you do like a good butt plug, don't you? Yeah. Two. At once. Yeah. Bit much, isn't it? Bit much yeah. to end the podcast on that way, but well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, hopefully people have enjoyed this episode um, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.